Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2013 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Thursday the 30th of May 2013. Here's Brother Darren Rogers. Joy to be with you again and it is wonderful to be able to come up this time with Joe. Um, four years ago, um, Joe had a, a problem with her back. She slipped a few discs in her back, and over the years, the problems got worse. So at the moment now, she's gone from two slip discs to six slip discs. So uh, she's uh, been a real blessing over the last four years, and she said that the Lord has, has taught her so much. But it's a thrill for her to be able to come up um, with me this time and to be able to see you all. And again, for us as a family, to be able to say thank you. Um, for your support over the years. You know, I can't believe that in August it's been seven years since we've been at Bethany. So, um, you know, we've appreciated your support for that length of time. You know, you supported us just before we went to that work in, in Pontypris. So we're so thankful for your prayers, for your financial support, for your love and for your fellowship when uh, we've been able to, to get together. So I just want uh, to, to just... Uh, I suppose encourage you um, tonight just to say that you know the support that we've received from you over the last couple of years has, has been such a blessing and the Lord has really been blessing the work in uh, in Pontypris. So that is the church, Bethany Baptist Church. Uh, it's in the mouth of the uh, of the, the Rhondda Valleys. It's just before the Rhondda Valley starts. It's in a good position um, on the uh, on one of the main roads leading up to the Rhondda Valleys. And um, I'll show you a picture later on how we've, how we've been able to utilize the fact that it's so close to the main road. And, and I want to share with you some of the things that we've done in, in order to encourage people to come in. So the Lord has, has, has really blessed over the last couple of years. We started at the church with just 15 people. Um, it was a, a very, it's a large building. The building will seat um, between 650 and 800 people. Depending, we've got the old-fashioned pew, so depending on how many squeeze into those pews, but it's around about the 600 mark, and the church will will seat. And like I said, when we went there, there was 15 people. And the first person that I baptised was a man by the name of Geraint, and you can see him at the top left-hand corner there. And that was the first baptism we had in February 2007. And last June, Geraint announced his call to preach. And uh, it was a thrill to be able to, to see him preach his first sermon at the church. And at the moment, now I'm, I'm helping him on a Tuesday, going through some homiletics and hermeneutics and all posh-sounding stuff just to help him uh, with his call. And Lord willing, um, as the Lord leads, we, we'll be hoping to help get him maybe plan to work or um, to, to, to go and take a, a church that's struggling and in need of a pastor. So... Please pray for, for Geraint that uh, he continue to seek the Lord's will and direction in his life and that um, we might be able to have our first church plant in the not-too-distant future. Um, in terms of uh, ministries, we were able to take our youth group away. Um, last year, we did our first missions trip. Um, and, you know, as, as a person who's been on deputation, I understand the importance of missions and missions giving. Two of the missionaries you support, our church supports. Um, we support Leighton Kelly and the Kaylins. Um, so we understand the importance of missions. And last year, we took our teenagers away to, um, to Tennessee to help with a, um, a homeless ministry, um, Bread of Life Ministries. 
We fed over 150 homeless people on the streets of Tennessee, and uh, the, the children sing. We, we, um, and there we are. Look, there's my two. So they can sing, so I might, I might actually force them to get up after and, and sing the song that we sang there, so we see if they can remember the harmonies. Um, so we, we went to a few churches in Tennessee and uh, Georgia, and it was a real blessing um, for the youngsters to, to see the Lord working, to see that they're part of a bigger family as well. They, they struggle in school with peer pressure, and they're made fun of for going to church. They, they, they're called odd and a, a whole host of things. So it was a blessing to be able to take these, these teenagers away for them to see the bigger family of God, you know, to know that they're part of a precious family and to be able to go into some of these churches, you know, the hymns, some of the hymns were the same words, the same tune, but faster, or, you know, a different type of, how is it that you can sing like Amazing Grace to a bluegrass beat with still having the same tune? But it is, you know, we were in, we were in bluegrass country and they, the, the kids Loved it. They got such a, you know, such a blessing from it. The Lord really spoke to them during our devotion times in, in the morning and uh, through the services. And it was a real blessing to see them come home. And, you know, a, a, f- a few of them have really gone on with the Lord. And you can see such potential for, for future Sunday school teachers and for, for helpers. And so it was a real blessing to be able to take uh, them away last year. Uh, we started actually our, our youth ministry um, with the two girls that are with us tonight. Um, that was our youth ministry um, when we started in, in Bethany back in 2006. They didn't have a youth group. So we started one on a Friday night uh, with, with Hannah and Eve, and that's grown. Um, this is the youth camp that we did last year. Um, we did an Olympics theme, and we, we were able to take 35 youngsters away from uh, nine years to um, 15. And uh, it was a real blessing to be able to, to go away and to teach them the importance of the race that we're in in life. You know, the Olympics was on. Uh, we were talking about winning, not medals, but winning crowns. And uh, the importance of just, not just starting the race, but finishing it. It's all very well and good to start well. But the importance is that we finish well and that we finish that race. So we had a busy summer last year. We took the teens away uh, at the beginning of July, and then we came back after two weeks in the States, and five days later, we had our youth camp, and then we got back home after that, and five days later, we had our holiday Bible club, and that was for the four-year-old to eight-year-old, and last year, we did from pit to palace and followed the life of Joseph and showed the importance of even when things don't seem to be going your way, God is still in control. You know, before Joseph could be promoted to the palace, he had to go through the pit and the prison. And uh, it was a blessing to be able to, I think through the week we had um, about 50, 70. The last day we had 50 children, but throughout the whole week there were 70 different children came through the doors in that um, four or five day period. And it was just an opportunity to be able to give them the gospel. You know, they took scriptures into their homes by way of fridge magnets and name badges and colorings and drawings. And we just pray that, that, you know, that's all we can do is sow seeds. And uh, we just pray that, you know, one of those little lives one day, um, if they haven't already accepted the Lord, that one day that that seed will come to a point where it can be harvested. so the, the youth ministry is going really well at the moment. Um, on a Friday night, we start at 5 o'clock in the evening, and we have our little ones, which is this group here, four to eight-year-olds. And we have about, about 20 of them 
on a Friday night, and that fluctuates through the year. And then at half past six, we have uh, the older groups, and they are split into three, and that's um, we have um, Youth for Truth, and that's the eight, nine, and ten-year-olds, and then we have Frog Squad, which is 11 and 12, and then we have UTX, which is the group we took to America, and that uh, are all the teenagers. And we, again, that varies anything from 50 to 100. We've had, a, on some Fridays, we've had 100 youngsters in the building at any one time. And because of that, um, we're hoping to build an extension on the side of the church because the youth group is, is growing so much. We also do a drama group on a Friday night. Um, and we, uh, normally, we just practice in for an Easter presentation and a Christmas presentation. Um, but we try and do something th- through the year as well to encourage their parents to come. And uh, we've done it now for, I think, five years. And um, last, it wasn't, it was just after Christmas. Last Christmas presentation, one of the, uh, one of the young girls, her mum came to know the Lord as her saviour, and next month I'll be baptising her. So uh, it's anything we can do to encourage people to come in. Um, my, my pastor always used to say that whatever you do in church, put a gospel hook in it. And uh, that's what we've done. We've, we, I don't want to say we've used these children, but we've put on a presentation which presents the gospel in a way that's easy to understand for those who've had no church background at all. And then once they're in the church, I tell them we don't charge to come in, but it costs them to get out. They've got to sit and listen to me for at least 10 minutes. And uh, what an opportunity to present the gospel to them. And like I said, last year, one of the mums came to know the Lord and um, she'll be being baptised um, next month. Christmas is a, a real wonderful time of year. Um, for us, we put out 10,000 leaflets throughout the surrounding community. And um, we have various um, things going on Christmas time. Our choir sings. Um, three or four times through December. We have a candlelit carol service on Christmas Eve. And I would love to say this next slide is our congregation. It's not. It's, it's Christmas Eve. Um, but the last two Christmas Eves, we've had over 500 people in the church. Now, some of those are in church for the very first time. Um, I know, I, I don't know about you, when I was lost, before I came to know the Lord, I loved Christmas Eve. You know, I would, I would go to church Christmas Eve after spending the day in the world. There was still something about church on Christmas Eve, and I don't know why that is, but people will come on Christmas Eve. So we've used that, and again, we just um, keep emphasizing the, the true meaning of Christmas and how Christ was born, and that's not the, the end of it, that Christ lived a sinless life, that he died upon the cross for their sins, that he was buried and, and raised again, and um, it's a wonderful opportunity um, to, to preach the gospel to so many people who might only come to church once a year. Um, but we just pray again. Isaiah 55, 11 says that God's word never returns void. So I just pray that all those who come in through the doors will, uh, will one day, we'll see the fruit of that. So you, you pray for, for all those who've come under the sound of the gospel um, using these opportunities. And then I took, uh, took a missions trip this year myself in February, went to, to visit another one of our missionaries in India. And uh, A.D. Matthew was in Mizoram in a, a province of India, which is in the foothills of the Himalayas. And 
I thought Wales was hilly. Uh, you see, we took some toys out to the orphanage, and, and that is the next, that's part of the same village. And that village opposite takes almost an hour to get to. Um, you can see it. It's, it's, it's literally, you know, it's so close, but the place is so hilly. I've never been so frightened in all my life. I don't know if you've ever seen world's most dangerous roads, but I was on them. I've never been so close to the Lord in all my life. I prayed every single second I was in the car. And um, we went down to do a, a baptism. And I um, did a baptism in, in the river, baptized five of the, the Bible students. And um, there's another picture that was taken. And in that river, they're washing their cars. They're doing their laundry. Um, they're bathing. And then just a little bit further down, then we had a baptismal service. But it was a wonderful opportunity you know, to, to present the gospel and to be a witness. And um, the, the river was only um, 15 kilometers away from the church, 15 kilometers. It took us over an hour to get there. Um, that's how bad the roads were. And um, I say I was absolutely petrified. But again, it was a wonderful opportunity to see um, the work that, that is going on throughout the world. You know, we, we, we may never see what our missions money does we might never get to see what it does but i can promise you this that one day you you'll realize when you stand before the lord and you see so many people coming before the lord and and i wonder if the lord will say do you know what your missions pounds help these enter into my rest because somebody you supported was able to to present the gospel to them and i just think it'll be wonderful one day when we get to heaven to see all those lives that that we've had an effect on because we've faithfully supported missions. And it was a real blessing to be able to go over and see the work that's being done there. It's an orphanage, it's a school, it's a Bible college, and um, he also pastors this, this church as well. So it was a blessing to be able to be a part of that ministry. And then, like I said, being so close to the main road, we've kind of seized upon something that uh, we get a banner that goes up every Christmas and every Easter and advertising our candlelit cattle service and advertising our Easter services. And um, we've had so many people come into the church just because they've seen the banner at the side of the church. Everybody who drives past, you can't, you can't miss it. It's um, 15 foot by 10 foot um, and it's lit up as well. So, uh, you know, plenty of people see it. And we had one man um, just drive past one day, um, just it's Easter time now gone, and he saw the banner and just came into the church and has been ever since. Um, and that's every week, prayer meeting, twice on a Sunday. And uh, it's just wonderful to see the Lord blessing in, in, in such a way. So we really, really do appreciate, appreciate your prayer. So again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your support. And I just want you to know that, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't do it without your prayers. We're so grateful and for all the help you've given us in the past. And we just want you to know that the Lord is, is really blessing. Um, we've seen the church grow. Um, we've seen, uh, it's just wonderful to see people come to know the Lord as their saviour. Um, as you know, last time I was here, we'd just gone through that accident where um, a family of ours was involved in an accident in the reservoir. And even through that accident, one of the, the husbands came to know the Lord as his saviour. And Denise said, we were praying at the crash site um, on the Easter Monday and um, Craig had come to know the Lord on the Good Friday and Denise said, look, if this accident 
we'll just bring one person to Christ. She said, then I'll have to say that this accident has been worth it. And Craig has come to know the Lord. He um, helped us on the mission trip. He teaches the teens on a Friday night. And to just see him grow in the Lord is, is just wonderful. And to see the church grow. And like I say, we've got another baptismal service coming up now next month where we'll have um, four going through the waters of baptism. It's just exciting to see the Lord work. And I just want to say thank you so much for, for all your support. And uh, just excited to see what the Lord is doing there in, in Bethany, in Puthgwain. Amen. All right, any questions? I feel like I'm in Bible study. I always close Bible study with any questions, and sometimes you wish you hadn't asked that. Brother. The, ch- the church was built in 1906. Um, it it's, it's, the full title is Bethany English Baptist Church because it was born um, out of the Welsh Revival, um, the, when the, the coal miners came into South Wales, a lot of English-speaking people came into the, the valleys, and during this time, the, the language was Welsh. Um, but when you had the, the English-speaking people coming into the valleys to work in the mines, you know, the Lord is no respect of a person. Welsh-speaking and English-speaking people were getting saved. Um, so as a result of the, 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 the salvation um, of those in Capel Ronda, which was a Welsh Baptist church, um, those who spoke English started Bethany English Baptist Church. And uh, they say it was built in 1906 and um, was born out of the Welsh Revival and has seen, you know, I've seen pictures where there's almost a thousand people uh, in the church where there's just people standing and they've seen pictures of Sunday school um, photographs where the, the pulpit, I mean, they're just stacked from the floor right up to the ceiling. I don't think you get it past health and safety today, but um, that's what they used to do. And, you know, like I said, when we went there, there was, there was 15 people there. And in a church that seats over 600, 15 people looked really lost. But I, I can't tell you how, how exciting it was every time we walked in through the doors. And, um, you know, we've not done anything other than preach the word. We've not um, altered any doctrine. We've not um, done anything fancy in terms of enticing people in. You just just preach the word, and the, and the Lord is really blessed. And um, you know, try try not to count, because sometimes that can be discouraging as well. But um, somebody asked us a, a specific question about numbers, and um, last Sunday we had um, 90 uh, on Sunday morning. 25 of, of those were in Sunday school children and teachers, and in the in the evening we probably ranged from anything from between 70 and 100. So uh, it's just exciting to, again to see. The Lord working, and it's, it's all the glory to the Lord because I'm just a crackpot. How did I become a Christian? Um, I was uh, actually, it's, it's, it's my wife's fault. Um, I was brought up in church. My mum and dad were both saved as teenagers. They, they were saved in a, a Baptist church in Tonerevel. Um, and so as children, me and my brother always went to church. Um, but the church we went to never, ever preached the gospel. You know, I, I've always believed in God, always, you know, never doubted that Christ was real or that he died upon the cross. But nobody had ever shown me, you know, that he died for me. Nobody ever showed me that it was my sins that I was going to go to hell because I thought I was a good person and that, you know, I, I would eventually, you know, go to heaven anyway. Um, and I met Joe um, in... Uh, 97, in 93, sorry, Hannah was born in 97, 
I met Joe in 93 and Joe came to my church. Um, I was the organist. I was a member of the church. I'd been baptized. Um, and I don't say this to, to glorify anything that I did, but I would go to church with a hangover. Um, I would I just lived like any other lost person did, but I went to church. Um, Joe came to, to um, my church then and said, something's not right, dear. You know, this guy's not preaching on sin. He's not preaching on the blood. He's not, you know, there's nothing there. So she invited me to her church, and that was an American missionary pastor. So again, you know, missions is the heartbeat of the church. Um, he was an American missionary pastor from Georgia. Um, I sat in the church and thought that my wife had told this man everything about me. She'd even told him things about me that I hadn't even told her. And I, how, how did that work? I came to realize then that it was just conviction. And the Lord had just convicted me so much. And I knew then that I had to do something. It wasn't, you know, sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the garage makes you a car. Um, I had gone to church, but I, you know, I knew of Christ, but I didn't know him as my savior. Um, so in, in uh, July then, um, 90, I, I think it was 94, I, I, I'm not sure of the exact date that I got saved, but I know where I was. It was 15 Davis Street on the living room floor of um, the pastor's house. I asked Christ into my life, and my life has never been the same since. Um, I was an aircraft engineer. That was my trade. And um, in, in 2003, then, the Lord called me to full-time ministry. I finished work in July 2006 and took the church in August 2006 and I've lived every second of my Christian walk. Um, that's not to say that it's always been plain sailing, but uh, I've lived it all the same. We've got a song that we, we sing in Welsh, um, but I'm not sure if we can remember the harmonies, but we can give it a go if you want. <laughs> I wanted to share a, a thought with you. Um, we recently came back from um, Florida. Uh, we went to visit some supporting churches there. And we were in Colonial Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida. And what they've got, they've got a, a big map on the, the wall of all the missionaries they support all over the world. And they've poked holes in the map and they've put little LED lights 
in the halls to light up to show where each missionary is around the world, which is a fantastic idea, but the light for Wales had gone out. <laughs> Our light wasn't shining. So I was reminded of a, a verse of scripture. I wonder if you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we'll, we'll read the first three verses. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and it says in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day and for all to do for us. Father, we're so grateful uh, for the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross for us. And Father, I pray that if there's one here today who has never trusted him as their Savior, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would call upon the name of the Lord. Father, for those of us who have called upon your name, I pray that you'd help us to see how important it is to keep your light shining in our lives to those around and about us, that we might continue to show others the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and their need for him as the only way, truth, and life. Father, we just pray now that you would help us during these short few moments, Lord, for we ask it in Christ's wonderful name and give you the glory. Amen. We know that in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see the contrast between uh, the wickedness of Eli's family and the faithfulness of the young boy Samuel. Now, he ministered before the Lord under the guidance and supervision of Eli, and it was at a time when God wasn't speaking to his people that often. The Bible says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Can I say that we are in those same days today? The word of the Lord is precious. The word of the Lord is not spoken in that much in our land today. And that's not talking about those who are lost. I'm talking about from within the church itself. The word of the Lord is precious. In these days, Eli's days, the spiritual leaders were corrupt. God's people weren't obeying his law. Again, it sounds like today, those who are supposed to be leaders of the church, you read about some scandal where the pastor has abused his position and has had to step down. You see about the church living like the world. We did like the church at Corinth. We are supposed to change the world, but the world is changing our church. The lamp of God, the seven-branched golden candlestick that stood in the holy place, that was meant to shine. And the Bible tells us that it had gone out. Now, some commentators say that it just means that it was um, coming to morning time so that the, the light was getting dim. But the Bible says, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple. That lamp was a command from God to burn continually. Exodus 27, 20 says, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. It was meant to burn continuously. Leviticus 24, 1-4 also um, attests to that. Now the, uh, the, the reason for that was, uh, was quite a number, but inside the tabernacle it would have been dark. There weren't any windows. It would have been, there was a dark covering 
So it was needed for them to see what they were doing. In that place, you had the table of showbread on the one side and the altar of incense in the middle and the lamp on the other. So it helped the priest to see what they were doing. But it has a far more spiritual significance than just for the priest to be able to see. The, the lamp was one solid piece of gold that speaks of a divine nature. It was one beaten work which had six branches from it, speaking of the number of man. Um, it had had one central shaft speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we see God and man together. Christ is the mediator that brings man to God. He reconciles us to a holy God. The oil that flows through that lamp is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we see that only Christ can bring light and life. The candlestick was both light and it was the light bearer. That candlestick spoke of so much. It wasn't just the fact that it gave light in the tabernacle. Each morning and evening when the high priest burned incense uh, on the golden altar, he was to care for the lights. So the, 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 the wicks were meant to be trimmed and they made, need to make sure that there was the right amount of oil in there. And um, they had special instruments provided for them to, to trim the, the, the wicks and to make sure that the oil was, uh, was topped up. It's a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a great picture of the light of God's truth. The light of God's word was burning dimly in these days. The light of God's truth is burning dimly today. The light's going out. You know, look around us. You t I, I can't remember what night it was. We, we were watching the news, and I don't often watch the news. And we turned it off. It was just so, just so depressing. There's so much evil and wickedness in the world today. Why? Because we've let our lights go out. The church's light has gone out. We've got no effect on the world. Um, once we've been ignited by the flame of God's love and the flame of his forgiveness and the flame of his word, once the light of the Lord Jesus Christ has come into our hearts and lives, then we have to let that light shine. The Lord said, you're the light of the word. Let it shine unto people. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When Christ's light shines through us, then we are a witness to our family. When Christ's light shines through us, we're a witness to our friends. When we keep that light burning, people can see what Christ has done for us. When that light burns, even when we're in adversity, even when we go through trials and tribulations and temptations, we let that light shine. So it's a testimony to what Christ can do in a life surrendered to him. We keep that light burning so we can direct people's path to the Lord Jesus Christ. We keep that light burning so we can direct people to the cross. We need to let that light shine to our family. We need to let that light shine to our friends. We need to let that light shine to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to the total stranger upon the street, to every single person we come in contact with. They should see Christ's light in our lives. When we walk and talk with God every day, we keep that light burning brightly. So people know that there's something different about this. Can they tell? You know, the Bible says that... Um, Peter and John were ignorant and unlearned men. But they marveled. Why? Because they knew they'd been with Jesus. 
People marvel when they come in contact with you because they know you've been with Jesus. It, maybe our light is dimming a bit. Maybe in some instances it's gone out completely. People should know that there's something different about us with the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we react, the places we go. We need to let our light shine today. Can I say to you that when you support missions, you let your light shine? When you hand out tracts, you let your light shine? When you preach the word, you let that light shine? When you witness to others, you let that light shine? You might be the only Bible a lost person will ever read, and you need to let that light shine. What happens then when that light starts to go out? Well, let's look what happened to Eli. First of all, there's a lost relationship. Now, before you start saying, whoa, wait a minute, you can't lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. There's a lost relationship. First Samuel 3.17. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. Eli did not know what God was saying. He was out of fellowship with the Lord. He'd lost that intimate relationship. Eli didn't know what the Lord was saying. The Bible says the word was precious in those days. He wasn't hearing from the Lord. Why? Because sin had entered his life. My pastor always used to say, sin will take you further than you want to go, will keep you there longer than you want to stay, and will cost you more than you are willing to pay. Sin had entered into Eli's life, and as a result, his light had gone out, and he was not hearing from God. I'm sure maybe you've seen people who were once on fire for the Lord. And now they're nowhere to be seen. The light has gone out, they've faded away, and they've simply disappeared. I know many people who are like Alka-Seltzer Christians. They go through the waters of baptism, and as soon as they hit the waters, they fizzle out. You never see them again. They just disappear. I'm sure we've all known people at some point who seem to be so on fire for the Lord. They've accepted him as their savior and they, they just want to take on hell's gates with a water pistol. They're just so fired up and so excited and that excites you as a church and as a pastor. And then all of a sudden, that light fades away. Eli did not know what God was saying because he'd allowed his light to go out. Let me ask you this question. How many of you how many of you like reading? We all like reading, okay. How easy is it to read in the pitch black? How many of you have ever, maybe in the middle of the night, you thought, oh, I won't turn the light on. I'm, you know, I don't want to wake the wife up or I don't want to wake my husband up, but I fancy having a little read. So you get your book out and then you start reading. You can't do it, can you? You can't read in the dark. You can't see what it says. If someone says that God is not speaking to me today, then that's probably an indication that they're not reading the word. God speaks to us through his word today. You know, we harp on to the kids and we, you know, we all know that Sunday school song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Oh, we drum it into the kids, but we don't pay much attention to that. And there are days when we don't read our Bible. There are days, if you like, when we're not reading our Bible, we're not in that wick on our lampstand. 
And as a result, our light is going out. We're not hearing from God. If you want to know what God has to say to you about certain things, if you want to make a decision and you want to know what God has to say about it, read the word. God will tell you clearly what to do in terms of your walk with him. Eli had let the light go out. He'd forsaken God's word, and as a result, he wasn't hearing, with, uh, he wasn't hearing from God. There's many people who no longer read their Bible, they no longer attend church, they no longer pray, they no longer have fellowship with other believers, they no longer have that close fellowship, that close relationship with the Lord. They've drifted away. Their light has gone out. If the light has gone out, then God's word is no longer in their life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need to be in God's word every single day. If not, our light will go out. We have to read God's word. We have to meditate upon it. Listen, if, if all we're relying upon is, is three sermons a week to be satisfied with, with what God has to say for us, then we're missing the point. We have to be in God's word every single day. Meditate upon it. Take it in. Act upon it. Live it. Live by it. How many of you, how many of you, how many of you, um, I was just, we were talking to Pastor earlier about how far out the date he is with technology and he's still got his notebook and hasn't quite gone across full products yet. But how many of you have got a, a television? Televisions are so complicated today. You know, the first television I had, it had a dial on it. And you used to have to tune in just with that little dial. It was black and white. Now, these televisions, you can go on the internet. You can, you can do home shopping. You can do all kinds of things. And you can even watch telly. But these televisions come with an instruction book. How many of you have ever taken time to... Yeah, there's a couple of heads shaking. You know where I'm going. How many of us take time to actually read the instruction book? We get the telly home out of the box. We're so excited to get it out of the box. We plug it straight into the wall. We plug it straight into the aerial. And then the instruction book says, whatever you do, do not plug it in until you've read this. Oh, it's too late. We've plugged it in, switched it on, and we're halfway through. But the instruction book is there to tell us how to get the best use out of that television. The, the instruction book is there to tell us what happens if anything goes wrong with the television. It even tells us that we can contact the manufacturer directly and they'll help us put whatever's gone wrong right. Can I say to you that God has left us with an instruction book? His instruction book tells us how to treat our product correctly, that product being our lives. The instruction book tells us if something has gone wrong, what steps you have to take to put it right. And the instruction book even tells us that we can contact the manufacturer directly. It tells us that we can pray directly to him. If we have that relationship with Christ, then we have direct access to the throne of God. The Bible says we can come boldly before the throne. Eli had let light go out. And as a result, he wasn't hearing from God. Not only was there a lost relationship, there was a lost protection. What did Eli's sons do with the ark? It says in um, 1 Samuel 4 and verse 3, And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. But what happened? The Philistines took the ark. 
you know, it was ridiculous. The ark of God had become an it, look. Twice it says it. That was a, that was a, a precious thing. That's where God's presence dwelt. God's presence dwelt upon the mercy seat above the ark. But to the children of Israel, now it, it had become an it. It will save us. It will protect us. God's presence is not a lucky charm. You know, we are blessed to have that in our lives. Because they let the light go out, they lost that protection. We need to protect ourselves from the evil one. Listen, when Christ was tempted, you might find a recurring theme here now in a minute. When Christ was tempted in the wilderness, the devil tempted him three times, this recorded in Scripture. What was Christ's response each and every time? It written three times and three times he quoted deuteronomy for those who say that the old testament is no good for today need to go to the new testament to realize that the old testament is just as important it is written christ said three times if we want that protection we need to realize that we're in a battle every day and god has provided us with the perfect armor to face that battle We've got the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, the belt of truth to make sure we don't trip over. We've got the shoes of the gospel of peace. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do we realize how important this word is? Eli had let the light go out. There was sin in his life, and therefore he'd lost that protection. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's why we need to confess our sin to the Lord. There was sin in the life of Eli and his family that was unconfessed. As a result, the light had gone out and he lost God's protection. If we're not walking closely with God, then our decision-making becomes more difficult. Let me, let me just let me give you an illustration. I'm going to knock my mic off a minute, and I want to show you something. You need to make a decision. Okay? You, you are making a decision, and it's an important decision, but maybe you're not as close to God as you should be. Point is this. The further away we are from God, the more difficult it is to hear that still, small voice. If there's so much noise in our lives, so many distractions in our lives, then it's difficult to hear the voice of the Lord. I, okay, I was only whispering to Hannah for her to bring her Bible to me. She couldn't hear me from that distance until she came right close. You see, we, I realize that God never leaves us and never forsakes us. But we can walk away from him in so many ways. When that distraction comes in our lives, when there's so many things that are vying for our attention, that still small voice can become difficult to hear. That's why we need to spend time with him, alone with him, in his word, in prayer. So that when those decisions come in our lives that we've got to make, at least we can hear from him as to which direction we take. How many times have you made a decision and then thought, oh no, that was the wrong one. And it's almost as if the Lord says, we didn't ask. But he's the first one we blame. Oh, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? It's like, you didn't ask me. I've been telling you. I've, I've actually been telling you all along. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You've not been listening. 
Eli, because of sin in his life, he allowed the light to go out and he lost that protection. And then finally, there's lost opportunities. 1 Samuel 4.11 says, And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Eli no longer had the opportunity to be a light to his children. Eli no longer had the opportunity to, to, to leave a legacy. He'd left it too late. We need to realize how important it is to walk with God every day because our children see the way that we walk. Our children see the way that we act. Our children see the way that we behave. I don't know if it's, maybe it's a, it's a Welsh advert. I don't know, but there was a, 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 um, a government advert about smoking. And what you saw was, you saw the parent, um, I think it was one where the, the mum was pram or something, and then the little girl was behind her and she was copying her with her, with her doll's pram. And then there was a dad mowing the lawn and there was a little boy walking right behind him, exactly in the same pace, following his dad mowing the lawn. And then they show, showed another man um, on the settee smoking and the, the little boy was, was copying his dad. And it was just to show that children copy what the parents do. If they see us with a, a lax attitude towards God, then they'll have the same attitude. If they see us with a, a blase attitude towards church, well, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like multiple choice, really, isn't it? You, you can go if you want to go. It, it doesn't really matter. If we have that attitude, then our children will have the same attitude. We've got to be a light to them while we can. Listen, that's you were Jerusalem. Your family is the most important ministry you will ever have. You know, we can, we can, we worry about Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And sometimes our Jerusalem is neglected. Start at home. Eli had no opportunity to be a light to his children. He'd seen the way they were living. He'd seen the way they were behaving. You know, they turned God's house. It wasn't a den of thieves. It was like a brothel because of what was going on even outside the tabernacle doors. And Eli turned a blind eye. That's what happens in the world today. We're not allowed to give children rows anymore because it affects their personality. Listen, if a child is about to put its hand on the fire, you're going to yank them away because you know that that hand is going to burn. When God sees us going down the wrong path, Sometimes he's going to yank us away with correction. Eli didn't do that to his children. He just let them make their own decisions. Well, they're old enough now. They, they can make their own decisions. The decisions weren't good ones. And as a result, the light had gone out and they weren't able to be blessed. Eli should have been a better light to his children. Eli didn't stop them or rebuke them. Eli did not let his light shine unto them to make a difference in their lives, and now it's too late. We shouldn't leave it too late to make a difference. You know, we can still make a difference to our family. We can make a difference to our friends. We can make a difference to our co-workers. Listen, you've made a difference in South Wales that you might never, ever know about until you get to heaven. But you've made that difference because you've let your light shine. you followed what the Bible says about missions. And because you support missionaries throughout the world... You will light is shining in places that you might never even set foot. But one day you'll see the result of that giving. One day you'll see the result of that praying. One day you'll see the result of your labor and the fact that you've let your light shine to parts of the world that you will never possibly even go. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, if you like, is walking in the midst of the lampstands today. He's our great high priest. He trims the wicks every now and again. He moves into our hearts and lives. And if the people saw the life of Eli, would they want what he had? I doubt it very much. But the question is, if people saw our lives, would they want what we've got? You know, the Bible says you're known by your fruit. I think too many Christians today have taken after the, the lemon and lime tree. They've got a sour look upon their face. Christians are known by their fruit. Do we display joy, love, temperance? Do we display the fruit of the Spirit? Do we show the world what is to gain through trusting Christ as their Savior? We need to let our light shine. Don't let your light go out. Continue to let it shine in this corner of God's vineyard, in this part of Birmingham. Let your light shine. And you know what? We do great things for the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, he's going to call time on this world. And he's coming back. And he'll put things straight. Many people say, do you know what? If and when the Lord returns, I'll know you're right. Then I'll put things right. It's going to be too late to wait till the tribulation. It's going to be a terrible time. But until that happens, we need to let our light shine. 150,000 people die every day. I wonder how many of them slip into a Christless eternity. You slip into hell. And will one day hear the Lord say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. We've got a job to do. Preach the gospel to every creature and to let our light shine. Pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this day and for all that you do for us. Lord, we're just so grateful for the way in which you work in our lives. Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to continue to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you would speak to our friends, our families, our loved ones, Lord, that you would use us in whatever way you see fit that we might see others come to know Christ as their Savior. Father, we pray that you would just be with us now, Lord. I pray that you would bless our remaining time together, Lord. I pray that you would bless this church, Lord. And I, I just thank you for their faithfulness in the years in supporting missions, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to, to use them in a mighty way, that they, they might see much more fruit imputed to their account, Lord, as many more souls are saved throughout the world as a result of their giving. Lord, we just thank you again for the opportunity to be here with our precious family, Lord, and just ask that you would bless our time together. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask and give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen. Mm -hmm.